Today on Foodstuffs, we challenge our conceptions of volunteering. Jess talks to a well-respected Toronto service industry vet about how she's using her skills to give back. When people are always asking you, hey, like, what's going on? Or like, what, what are you up to? And like, what's new? And like, uh, <laughs> and, like you, and you're just like, oh, you know, I like go to work or like I like checked out this restaurant or like I'm, I went on a trip. And like, if those are like the only things going on, then like, all right, well, I need something else. Hi, my name is Christina Vera. I am a bartender at a couple places in the city, most recently La Banane and Apartment 200. And I am a fund development volunteer at Nellie's Women's Shelter, and you're listening to Foodstuffs. Welcome to Foodstuffs, a podcast about food and culture and their intersections. I'm Jessica Walker. And I'm Brian Goldman. Welcome back, B. Welcome back, Jay. <laughs> so tell me, what's new with you? <laughs> That's such a stock question, but I actually have things to say today. Oh, so not just, <laughs> oh, not you much. You can't skip over that one. No. That's actually relevant to later in today's conversation, actually, now that we mention it. Um, yeah, I, since seeing you last, have closed a restaurant, um, went away a little bit, and then uh, started working days at another job. Um my New Year's resolution, I don't normally make New Year's resolutions, but this year I made a New Year's resolution and it was to stop working nights just because I'd done it for five years and was kind of wearing me down. Um, there is a lot more to it than that, but it happened really quickly. My now former boss uh, just had a second child about two weeks ago now, um, which is part of the reason that he decided to close down the, the restaurant, Hopgoods. Um, but this was a chance for me at that point to get away. I went to Montreal. I went to Prince Edward County, which is for those not in Ontario, it's a couple of hours east of Toronto. Um, the maple sap was actually running Ooh. just to be extra special and romantic. You yeah. don't think of like a trip away in February as a really good time, but I had coffee made with maple sap instead of water. It was crazy. Who knew? Maple sap instead of water. Could it get more Canadian? Anyway, <laughs> so I made it back from that. And then now I have a new job and I'm working during the day and it's strange. I feel like I'm a new human being, like a little child that has to be reintroduced into the world. I've been ruined by working in wow. the evening. Um, yeah. So, yes, actually, you have been <laughs> pretty busy. I didn't lie. Um, what about you? Well... What can I say that's not related to my child? Uh, <laughs> I've become a full-on coffee person, like one of those useless in the morning unless I have a few, got to have a few every day. <laughs> it's it's sort of bad, but I think it's it's a nice, it's a good bad. It's, you just have that nice feeling every time you have it, mm -hmm. you know? A little buzz. I'd like to think it maybe had something to do with um, all those uh, coffee interviews you've done on the show, but... I have a suspicion it has something to do with that uh, eight-month-old crazy person. Are you talking about your baby again? Oh, right. I said I wasn't <laughs> going to do that. I wasn't going to do I that. I love him, so I, I'm really good with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you weren't drinking coffee daily before that? Not like this. And I know, whatever, maybe it sounded like if you drink coffee or if you don't drink coffee, if, if you haven't made this transition, this sounds really boring. But <laughs> as, as somebody who's just going through it, it's a transition. All of a sudden, like, you're a different person a little bit. Like, 
yeah. your day to day is a little different. For sure. You're sort of going around going coffee. Yeah. Coffee. Yeah. Coffee. I don't, for those who've listened to those coffee interviews, you may know that I never drank coffee up until about two years ago. And I made it through university. I made it through like early yeah, mornings of radio too, school. Yeah. And so I was like, I, the last test is a child. But somehow I cracked. It may have had something to do with like a bespoke coffee pop right. <laughs> cocktail. See, it's just like the... take the take the milk out of it, take the sh- – well, there's still sugar in it. But like right. cool it down. It's a temperature thing I think. Anyway. See, this is the difference between you and I. A, a baby gets me into coffee. Bespoke gets you into coffee. <laughs> I know. The it's things really... that make me cringe. I, I was saying that tongue-in-cheek. Because I'm annoyed at myself about it, okay? Okay, well, I'm still going to use it against you. (laughs) So anyway, Jess, what are we talking about today? Today, we are talking about volunteering in the 21st century. Um, No, I'm kidding. Um, It's more about who we are talking about today. Right, yeah. Chances are, if you work in the service industry in Toronto, you know or have certainly heard of a woman by the name of Christina Vieira. I met Christina, oddly enough, a couple of years ago through a mutual friend, which is abnormal, considering I'm also in the industry. Um, it was only over time that I realized that not only is she an amazing like cocktail goddess queen, uh, she like runs competitions as in is a boss and kicks butt in competitions. Right. Um, all over the world at this point, actually. Uh, but she's also works in fine dining and then also can like run a late night bar scene. Um, and more than that, she's really devoted to uh, the the culture in Toronto. Um, so as years have gone on, I've come to learn just how involved she is in the city, uh, which leads us to today's topic. Which is volunteering or more accurately giving back and, and how to give back and sort of taking into account what's important to you, what you have to offer, and how you can make the greatest impact. Exactly. Um, maybe we should do it. Yeah, let's do it. This is Jess speaking with Christina Vieira, who is a fund development volunteer for Nelly Shelter, which is a women's and children's shelter in the East End of Toronto. I had been working at 416 Nakmar for uh, just over five years as their manager, and I'd worked constantly. When I quit there, I didn't really have a plan. I didn't really have a job lined up. I just kind of knew that I wanted to try to connect more with my actual interests. Uh, and some of those were things like getting into like cycling again. And, but mm-hmm. one was that I realized growing up, I had always volunteered and I'd always tried to do either work with children or work with women or do something. And it just stopped for no real reason and never started again. I contacted a bunch of shelters and uh, my timeline didn't make that much sense, like in terms of my availability. But I could hold events and through managing places and working in bars and restaurants, if there's something I can do is I can organize a cost-effective party. Mm-hmm. And it kind of just went from there. Yeah. How does managing and working in restaurants like directly apply and have an applicable use to the work that you do for the shelter? Uh, some of the things that just practically help with uh, kind of the way I've decided to make my volunteer position, uh, just generally centered around individual events that I self-create and run. Um, one is that I just have a huge Rolodex of, say, liquor suppliers, wine suppliers. Um, I know where to order ice from. I know the best places to get, like, say, sodas from. Things that, like, generally when you run an event, you 
are more of a scramble that is every single day when you're in a bar or a restaurant. Yeah. So it's easy to create. It also meant that I had I know a lot of venue owners and people who would be willing to help either with their physical spaces or I, it's easy for me to find staff that can volunteer because if you do it every day and you're also a friend of mine, it's not hard for me to ask you to come and bartend for four hours, mm-hmm. uh, especially if it's for a charity. We are professional party throwers, essentially. I'm, yeah, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm good to have if you want to organize your party. Yeah. Uh, and then I'd say also aside from that is working at busy and popular places and like four and six was great for this apartment 200 has also been great for this um you just meet a lot of people and you meet a lot of people who like as gently as you can put it probably have an extra 50 dollars a week even if they budget everything even if they budget their entertainment and their clothing that they if you ask them honestly they just spend on something random Mm -hmm. they like people who tend to go out a lot um and tend to be social tend to just have this slush fund, whether they should or not. I'm one of them. Mm -hmm. Where if you ask them what they spent, they just spent it randomly. Mm -hmm. And the best part about that is that if you can create an event where they're kind of doing the same thing they do anyway, kind of going to a very comfortable spot, kind of having the same people who serve them, kind of with the same DJs, or maybe better, because they have more of the DJs they like in one place, uh, I can maybe get their $50 or some of their $50 that week, and it Mm -hmm. goes to a charity. They feel good about it. I feel good about it. Everyone's having fun, um, and first and foremost, I try to make the events fun, and it just works out. So, like, being able to, like, know the actual process of planning a party or planning an event and ha- knowing the people who can make it easier and cost-effective and then also knowing the people who will show up, I guess, is what has helped me. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you're going to be going out that night, why wouldn't you go to the place with the people that you know and care about doing a nice thing and, yeah, like you said, having fun? Can you talk to me about the Like, I think that for some people, when they hear about, like, women's and children's shelters, that's a heavy topic. But um, can you talk about the importance of fun and, like, w- how that factors in really directly to the work that you're doing for them? So the first event that I did is uh, called Gratuity for the Girls. And then part of the uh, my promotion for it, I guess, if you can call Facebook posts a promotion, <laughs> is... Uh, in this day and age, I think you can. <laughs> so part of the promotion for that was I highlighted um, different things that, I guess, people, I say people our age or people my age, whatever, uh, people in my social circle spend their money on and trying to relate it to how it affects the shelter. So we spend a lot of money, say, on phones and relating that to the idea that the shelters always have a hotline that can be helped and, and so that when people call and they're in a moment of crisis or they need advice, they can immediately reach them. Uh, we all spend a lot of money on cabs and Ubers. Mm-hmm. Um, cab funds are like an incredibly important thing for the running of a woman's shelter. Even if they call Nellie's and Nellie's does not have room, they can, they'll still send a cab for them and they'll take them to another shelter or another place that can, that can actually get them there. Mm-hmm. Um, having good relationships with uh, these transportation companies has saved a lot of women's lives. Um, just like extra slush funds, um, parties, uh, one thing that's kind of close to my heart is the idea of the birthday party fund or even um, giving money. So part of the money for the last event that I did in December also was to go towards the Christmas party for the women children. Uh, one of the baby showers was Mother's Day themed, so that was also supposed to go towards the Mother's Day event. And then uh, this lovely woman named Alana, who is a makeup artist, gave 
probably hundreds if not thousands of dollars worth of makeup that she has and the women got to kind of have like a little shop where they could just pick out which ones matched them and went best and then they could have the makeup uh the thing that i like to stress whether it's the events are fun or lighter isn't to make light of the situation at the shelter but i think a lot of times when people talk about uh, people in need the focus is on their bare necessities and it's kind of it's kind of simplistic because having your bare necessities doesn't make you happy. Mm-hmm. It's a really good step, like being fed and having shelter, but just having access to a bed and having access to the minimum nutritional equivalent you need mm-hmm. is not likely to make you happy, and it doesn't make most people I know happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, some things, whether or not you want to call it self-care or whatever, being able to... If you're going to a job interview because you're trying to move out of the shelter, being able to have some makeup to put on isn't being decadent. It's like it's pretty normal, something to make you feel good. Uh, The idea that you might want your child to be able to have their friends over um, and then have pizza and a cake Mm -hmm. and a gift is not uh, is not decadent or useless. It's Mm -hmm. just it is something that is integral to somebody having like a full life. and a sense of normalcy, right? Like this is a really, I would imagine, traumatic part of some people's lives. So to provide this little thing is is huge. I can imagine. Yeah, uh, and something that like I, I think for me, it's like I that's the stuff that's a little bit closer to my heart. And also knowing too that like even though the Ontario government did cut as cut and stalled a lot of funding for shelters, at the end of the day, like the shelters generally have money for those basics. They have sheets. They have they have food. Mm-hmm. It's the extra programs that are still very useful that tend to get cut when they have lower funding. It's the uh, it's like the food bank that they run on Tuesdays, or it's the women in wheelchairs program that they run. It's things like yeah, they have a food bank, which is fantastic for the former residents and also just people in the community. But how do you get to the food bank? How do you get to the food bank if you have a uh, accessibility issues mm-hmm. uh, so it's also providing tdc tokens to people so they can get there or small things like getting access to say bicycles so people instead of having to walk there they can ride their bike there and just kind of empowering people and also enabling people to actually access the resources absolutely um so what are i think you're kind of touching on some of it there but like what are your ethics around volunteering and like why was Nellie's maybe such a good fit for you um and what are some musts um in order for you to yeah like associate with and work for yeah um i had originally been i'd made like a short list of a bunch of shelters and a lot of them would have been just as great uh Nellie's kind of like fell in for a few reasons one uh it is an older shelter it's about 40 years old or so um so they had a very established history. I knew people, some of my friends' parents uh, volunteered with them. They are not a huge corporate charity, but they are still established, which was important. Mm-hmm. The other thing that was really important to me was uh, working with an organization that is very inclusive, and everything that I've interacted with, everything that I've dealt with and talked to people about about Nellie's is a very inclusive environment. They allow elderly women, they allow mothers, they allow trans women... They allow uh, women with disabilities, and uh, a lot of places don't, and there's good reasons, or at least valid reasons, not good reasons, why a lot of them don't. Uh, 
in general, uh, women are expensive to take care of. Uh, it's like, it's kind of funny, like when you watch like Orange is the New Black and they talk about like how expensive women's prisons are to run compared to men's prisons. It's, it's true. Women have different health issues, uh, a lot of different, uh, just not like just even the fact that like women have periods like that in and of itself is a monthly cost um, that the shelter has to cover or mm-hmm. something has to cover. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that women can get pregnant and women often can just show up pregnant to the shelter. That is a cost if the women go into labor. Uh, um, at one point in time, the reason why the baby shower event first happened was they had 12 uh, children under the age of two, 10 of them were under the age of one, and most of the ones under the age of one uh, were less than six months old, which also means, uh, and this is pretty common, that they were either born at the shelter or they were born almost right before they went to the shelter, mm-hmm. seeing as the max amount that you can see at the shelter is six months. Um, what I liked about the fact that they were uh, incredibly inclusive was that it just felt like something that would, that was just something that was important to me. I like the idea that, as this sounds perverse, but I kind of like the idea that it's one of their main issues is that they can't control their demographics too much. Mm -hmm. If you have a lot of, let's say they don't have pregnant women, but let's say that they have a higher proportion of trans women than normal. That is also another cost. Uh, It, is a cost, say, for uh, like different hormone treatments and therapies. Mm-hmm. Um, it also is just different because it might mean too that they have to have a different access to clothing for the women. And uh, women's shelters often now cannot take used clothes uh, because of issues with bed bugs and what have you. And insurance companies will not cover them for the cost of uh, bed bug eradication if mm-hmm. they take a lot of used clothing. So the access to new things and everything like that, and often when people do donate new clothing, they donate in a very uh, often smaller uh, women's sizes, which doesn't accommodate the range of people. So anyway, I liked that, that those were costs that they were willing to do. Mm-hmm. Every time they do an event, it's always in a very inclusive space. Like when we went to volunteer training, um, Everything is just about that. You sit down, and the first thing they tell you is that if you're going to judge people's decisions that they make, and this was more geared towards the uh, volunteers who actually work with the women, which I don't do and I don't pretend to do, mm-hmm. um, that it's just not the place for you. Yeah. Like you've, You have to be okay with the idea that women might go back to abusive situations, and you have to not be judgmental about it. There are a lot of things that are at play. And it's just very refreshing when you go into organizations and you just feel that they're not just saying something, but it's completely through all the education. It's like felt when you go into the office, it's felt at all the events. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And so, I mean, this is sort of, I think, trite at this point in time when it comes to volunteerism, but like the notion that there is no self selfless act. What is the payoff that yeah. you get for working with um, Nellie's? You sort of touched on it there, but let's um, flesh it out a little more. Uh, yeah, like I'd say like for myself, um, I would agree with the idea that like there isn't really anything as a selfless act. Uh, I don't get any money from it, um, but there are a couple things that I do get. Uh, like if I was going to be pretty pragmatic about it, um, when, every, time I, every time I do an event from start to finish, from like conceiving it, from promoting it, from the drop off after, from the like thinking of the whoever donated anything. It is also almost like doing like a mini business event. I've learned a lot um, 
about my abilities, about, like, the need to collaborate with people, just, like, even, like, physical, like, what promoting things nowadays with, like, digital media and, like, using your friends and ways in which to be social to, like, to better things, to, like, make more money, even if it's more money for a charity, but to make more money, like, Mm -hmm. uh, I've learned a lot about that. Like, those are things that, like, when I eventually open a place or do anything those are skills that like my me doing this volunteering I have actually added to it I also generally find for my uh like happiness levels uh one thing that was bothering me in my life was I felt that I just one I wasn't interesting and I wasn't interesting because (laughs) I wasn't doing interesting things Uh, and it sounds like a really I guess like millennial complaint like to like like lie on your couch watching Netflix being like I'm so boring but like that was that was me and it wasn't so much that I feel like I am interesting by doing events it was more that I just wasn't doing anything that wasn't work or like kind of decadent like work or like getting myself a nice meal or like I wasn't doing anything that just like contributed and like created outside of the idea that like you serve people and then also when you serve and work in hospitality all the time it is like emotionally draining Mm -hmm. Uh, you are talking to people like you talk to a lot of people every day but it's always in a kind of different scope and it's something that I don't mind I actually like serving people like I've always liked I just like generally taking care of people but when you're kind of doing it always just for money either for money for yourself or for money for the business it and you're always nice to people but your niceness is partly genuine but also partly like rural um and there's only really a couple of allowed modes of interaction it just weighs on you Mm -hmm. and it's nice to be able to do something that might use the exact same skills and might, or most of the same skills and might be in the same kind of environment, but it's just not that. Like, it is just a bit more positive. It just kind of makes me more enthusiastic in my work and in my life if I have, especially when I get to do, like, the initial planning um, than if I just didn't do it. And I've actually it's made me, like, happier as a result. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. So uh, it's almost like a prescription <laughs> to like a be more interesting and b just like find happiness and like find value i guess yeah. yeah like the and i mean like i guess everyone probably goes through it but there is it is annoying or not annoying but it is when people are always asking you hey like what's going on or like what what are you up to and like what's new and like uh <laughs> this is what <laughs> and, like, you, and you're just like oh you know I like go to work or like I like checked out this restaurant or like I'm I went on a trip and like if those are like the only things going on then you're like all right well I need something else right like I need I need like a hobby <laughs> and like my hobby could be like competitive mountain climbing or whatever I don't yeah. think I don't know if that's competitive <laughs> sport uh, <laughs> let's and, say yes yeah sure competitive mountain climbing that could have been my hobby <laughs> and like people do have that like they have like they do they do rowing or they have like their trivia clubs or whatever mine happens to be that I try to do these events and I try to do, we're not doing them do things that relate with either women, other women's groups or like other kind of things in that vein mm-hmm. that's that's like my hobby for sure um, if someone was considering getting involved, like what is the check-in they need to do with themselves about how to A, be a good volunteer and B, B know that they're ready to actually take something like that on? Yeah. Uh, I'd say the number one thing is one, like be really honest with yourself about what your best skills are to lend to a nonprofit. Uh, 
one, the nonprofit should be something you're legitimately interested in. And that will just make it easier for you. It's, if you're not getting paid to do something, like, don't think it's going to be satisfying just because it's good. Like, it's for a good cause. Like, it's, it could just not be satisfying if you don't care in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, uh, as a volunteer, you're, you are important, but you're not, like, the end-all and be-all. And just because you showed up doesn't really mean that, like, what you say counts and, like, you are the most important there person there. And it's still skilled work which is why a lot of people feel like they get frustrated when they want to volunteer, especially like places like a shelter uh, where they are vulnerable and they feel like there's a lot of red tape. And the red tape's important, right? Like you can't, if you have uh, women and children in vulnerable situations, you shouldn't just be able to walk in and like help. Mm-hmm. And they're also like, what is your help? So my thing is, I don't think, I w- I've had uh, a lot of experience, or not a lot, but I, as a kid I worked, teenager, young adult, I worked with children. Mm-hmm. That would be one, if I did a different style, that would probably be the one thing I would want to do. Mm-hmm. But I'm not, like, I'm not equipped to be a counselor. Uh, I do not necessarily have, like, the emotional capacity to do the intake. Or I don't really want to, like, do the random cleaning and whatever. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's, those are all incredible. Uh, and I don't want to be in the office, um, like, putting stamps on the fundraising letters. Mm-hmm and uh, cold calling old uh, donors. And that's not to belittle any of the jobs. Those are often more important jobs than what I do. Um, those are jobs that make everything go. But you have to figure out what kind of job you want to do first because a lot of volunteers start and then they just figure, well, I'll just do anything. And like a lot of the jobs are just not what you're either equipped to do or what you'll actually find interesting. So mm-hmm. you just stop. Um, so that would be like my number one tip if like you're gonna like if you're gonna work for the food bank like know what that means if you're gonna do a breakfast program like you for kids like you should be okay like being around screaming children at seven in the morning Mm -hmm. like and consistently because the kids like to see the same person all the time so you have to like really figure out what it is beyond just like making yourself feel good or 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 eating up some of your spare time Mm mm-hmm so based on all of that, um, like just knowledge of the different roles that are available, clearly Nellie's didn't say like, I need a fun campaigner yeah. per se. So it sounds like you had approached them with this idea. Can you just like give the background of how this came to be? Yeah. So uh, I was working a lot less in like November 2015 than or October 2015 than I am now. Uh, and I was kind of looking into the idea of volunteering somewhere, kind of like somebody who didn't have like the advice I guess I just gave about what you should think about Mm -hmm. so I was looking up all these different women's shelters uh typically a lot of these shelters only do uh calls for volunteers once Mm -hmm. a year maybe twice a year you have to get a vulnerable person's uh criminal background search on a form from the shelter and it has to be kind of something they're looking for and I kind of realized that even if I found some one of the shelters where the timeline matched up with like me being able to start and me being able to like work there let's say two six hour shifts a week it just didn't seem really likely mm-hmm. like at all and then uh or it just seemed harder it seemed like a I was just kind of idiotically like thinking like okay well I wanted volunteers so see you in two weeks like I'll be like a great volunteer <laughs> uh so then my idea was like well I can try to volunteer that 10 hours a week or 12 hours a week in a different way so gratuity for the gals came where I was like all right well I'll work one Monday each Monday so there were five Mondays in November 
and I will donate all my tips from each Monday. And that will be like my the same time uh, as if I was actually physically volunteering, but I'll give them money, which is better than me giving them myself who might be like tired or like not the most efficient office worker Mm -hmm. or like not the best like food bank bag or like Mm -hmm. maybe if they just have like money that can just help as well right Mm -hmm. so that one raised thirty five hundred dollars in five mondays and that's not like what i typically make on mondays that's just obviously people knowing what it is and then uh coming through and tipping extra and like bringing their friends who like also tip extra or just give it as a donation and don't get a drink Mm-hmm. And it was like a pretty cool run, uh, and that kind of like insp- and then I kind of gave it to them, and they thought it was bizarre. Like I think everyone at Nelly's just thinks it's bizarre, <laughs> like because I just kind of show up every couple months and I have like a stack of cash, and uh, and then I just kind of leave it awkwardly with them, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and like night email like a bit later. So yeah, I don't want to overstate like in any way that I'm actually at the office or anything all the time. It's just kind of like this weird thing I've created, but mm-hmm. they're okay with it because it helps them. Yeah. And then um, in February or January, I was like, hey, how's it going? How did that money go? And uh, this is after the first event. And they're like, okay, it's good. A lot of that actually went to a lot of the children. We have, uh, they had six kids, I think, then that were toddlers or babies. And they're like, they go through a lot of diapers because I think it's something like, I don't have kids, but like, I think it's like, a child, a toddler, baby, will go through, like, five diapers in a day, maybe. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, if you're being conservative, and maybe more, a lot of babies get have weird allergies to some brands and not mm-hmm. others. Uh, so then they can't all, all be interchangeable, and then they can grow fast. So then you have to have a whole different range of diapers and everything, and then individuated to the children. The costs add up. So they're probably going through, let's say, if it's like 10, 5, 50, 30. Like, they're probably going through, like, like 1,500 diapers a month at one point in time. Like, something just stupid. Like, something that just doesn't make sense. All different sizes. Half of them have to be different brands because some kids have allergies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why I did the baby shower event. And then from doing the baby shower event, I kind of, like, realized that doing the theme and uh, doing themes and kind of trying to individually target it towards the needs of the shelter when I had time and like when they needed something was a probably a better method of going about it than just doing it say around like look at me I'm donating my tips one Mm -hmm. because like that will stop being interesting maybe Mm -hmm. I don't know maybe it wouldn't be um but just to people who like wouldn't happen to know you by chance you're not getting outside of your friend group or something yeah it's like I mean not not so much. Like, some people... I did end up meeting some people from doing it, mm-hmm. uh, uh, for sure. And that was pretty great. Uh, or people, like, I guess, kind of heard through the grapevine, and then they came, and then, like, wanted to donate. Um, so it's not to say that, like, it's not something I couldn't have continued doing. It was just more I found, like, especially for uh, time and effort and, like, keeping on message, it was also nice to be able to do individual themed events that also show different aspects of like the need of the shelter and kind of change people's ideas about it as well rather than just making it seem like a self-driven uh like I did I wanted to also like to separate things from just being around me and Mm -hmm. I felt like while I like doing the tip drive I felt like come and visit me every Monday Mm -hmm. I'm donating my tips like if it continued for a while we obviously would help the shelter but also just looks a bit like Mm self-aggrandizing rather than doing an event like 
where like I don't have my face or whatever on anything. Mm-hmm. So rather than just doing an event where you're like this is the shelter, this is what it's about, come here, have fun, give to a good cause. Mm-hmm. Um, and can you just kind of talk a bit about that fact that like a lot of um, charity events happen to have that point wherein some representative from the group stands up, but you're kind of like taking that into account by making it the baby shower yeah that is education in and of itself because I was like oh my god of course there's a diaper fund oh my god of course they need like birthday supplies because every kid deserves that or whatever like it sort of like clicks really really quickly by doing it that way like I helped with um like not for now but I helped with a a sanitary product, a women's feminine hygiene product uh, drive in December. And what was nice about that is, like, there are just some aspects of, especially I feel like women's, uh, I just feel like we don't talk a lot about a lot of issues that a lot of women kind of understand, and but, like, it's, it's just not out in the public. Mm-hmm. Like, the idea that if you're homeless or uh, close to homeless or just not don't have a lot of funds ha- and you're a cisgendered woman, like, most cisgendered women like before menopause have a period and it can last anywhere from three to seven days and pads and tampons are incredibly expensive Mm -hmm. and uh, are not incredibly expensive but they are expensive if you don't have money Mm -hmm. and even if you can afford those like if you lack access to like a bathroom and uh like places to wash and all of that it it's actually just a public health issue and it leads to high rates of infection. And it's something that, like, if you you take, like, 20 seconds and basically every woman you talk to is like, yeah, I never really thought about that. And, like, even if you just, as a server, like, I, every single female server has been asked by a female patron if they have an extra tampon. Mm-hmm. And it's not that, like, people are just, it's just, like, the nature of your bodies. Like, it, things happen. Mm-hmm. And then the idea of being homeless with little access to, like, a bathroom and, like, money and, like, that happening, to me, would just be just the worst. Yeah. Um, but it's all to say, like, when you do things around, when you, the events around, things like that, pe- it's, it makes people think. Like, doing the baby shower made even my friends um, think about how expensive diapers and formula is, which, yeah, like, I mean, my friends with kids obviously know, but, like, I, I don't. Mm-hmm. Like, I never really thought about it. Uh, it's not on my radar, and I was surprised at how expensive diapers are. Yeah. Uh, and formula and baby wipes and all of that. And cloth diapers aren't really cheaper because you have to do the service or you have to have the time to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, everything that goes into it. So it kind of just starts a little conversation around it. And that way I feel that if people want to talk about it at the event, like, of course they can. If people want to email before or after, they can. But it doesn't have to be that, uh, it doesn't have to be like a speech in the middle mm-hmm. um, to get it across to people. Mm-hmm. Um, as someone who is like visible in the community um, particularly with uh, like service industry staff which I think is an interesting part of all of this is drawing people in in a really accessible way like at our price point that we can you know this $50 that can go anywhere this week we'll go here or whatever like that's our our level Um, I think you're probably bringing in new people into um, into yeah, like offering, donating money to to worthy causes. Um, as a result, I'm sure that you have become sort of a beacon for people who are thinking about getting into it. Um, I know that you have some some rules 
informal rules for yourself about like what you would and wouldn't participate in? Um, And do you want to just like flesh those out? What are some of the common mistakes, I guess, people would have in in trying to set off an event of this sort of nature? Um, So I remember like as an aside before I go into it, I was like talking to my mother about this because she like my mother works for a church and has my whole life. And then a bunch of my aunts are missionaries. So I just kind of come from a family where it's not weird to be doing this stuff. But I kind of realized that the way in which I've approached doing events is kind of almost bizarre in that it's kind of what a lot of like older retired people or semi-retired people with money do. Mm-hmm. Except I'm just doing it on like a smaller scale for like a different demographic of people. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of the same thing. You just throw events and like they're social, but like they they use their like extended yeah. social group. As a result of that, in terms of like rules and everything I've had for it, because I try to run it as high profit as possible, that sounds that sounds intuitive, but it often isn't. So like one way, at least for me, is trying to maximize at least the style of donations that I get, especially from like liquor and beer companies, whatever. Mm-hmm. And the price points at the events aren't high, usually. Um, they're like $5, $6 a drink, whatever. But with the product is free or close to free, uh, that's just straight profit. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to be in places where I've done all my places where uh, the venue has been donating it. And that is a pretty big deal. A lot of times when people do charitable events in restaurants and bars, at least in Toronto, which is like my experience, uh, a lot of times they're giving uh, proceeds of something. So they're giving like $2 from a drink or they're giving... Uh, and they might have even had like the beer donated, but then they still take a bit because obviously they do have costs um, of running their business, but they're still kind of running their business, not losing any money or not donating anything of their own and just giving like a little token here or there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not to belittle that style and anything does help. It's more like if I'm going to do an event that's all around the shelter and like very specific, uh, I just don't think it's as helpful to do like a this special cocktail this one night mm-hmm. at this already relatively busy place. You get $2 from it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, getting the venues donated or getting them for relatively cheap, especially if they can give me things like ice. Mm-hmm. And uh, like ice is expensive to like get an ice delivery for. Um, like things like that. Mm-hmm. Those are priorities for me now. Um, basically people being very clear with how they're going to donate the money and like what it's for so i try to always or i do always post how much money was raised um publicly after which a lot of places don't do either so just trying to make it clear so people can feel good about it mm-hmm. and if people want to ask about any kind of cost because usually there are like very little costs involved in these once you get your liquor donated once you, uh, everyone donates their time people don't like that there aren't really costs anymore so it's been a benefit of like knowing so many people in hospitality, having so many connections, that a lot of the things that a business takes for granted, I can kind of get rid of most of them for the cost of running the event. And having done that with most of the events, going forward, unless the events grow in scope, like fingers crossed, where they kind of get more to this on the scale, like say those galas that everyone uh, can go to for like the big charities, um, I want to keep them as close to that. So mm-hmm. I would rather do one event every three months or four months that is maximizing the cost and is very specific in the branding than do a weird collaboration with a bar or a restaurant that might only raise a couple hundred dollars and do that pretty constantly. It's a lot of time and energy 
it's not as like effective i feel mm-hmm. um and so yeah on a final note um anyone who's considering giving their time and trying to do it in a thoughtful manner like what what is the starter pack uh starter pack is be realistic about your timing like your availability like and your availability not only in terms of like uh just physical availability but also just like your emotional availability um like mental availability like if you are a lot of times people try to volunteer because they they might have quit a job or they're they're not working as much and they want to fill it up but ask yourself if you will have time or space in six months and uh if so if you'll or and if you don't that's not bad but like maybe try to only take something that's a shorter assignment then Mm -hmm. Uh, so if you're really i would say one be super super upfront with yourself about what you can actually do um second thing is make sure that research your charity and research your organization and if possible ask people who have worked with them um not every organization is run the same way a lot of them are a little bit more bureaucratic than others a lot of them might have uh internal um inefficiencies or infighting or what have you um just because something is a non-profit doesn't mean it is well one well or necessarily run by well-meaning people mm-hmm. uh and that's something that i find people have a really hard time getting their head around and and just because you're volunteering doesn't mean you're a good person right like the f- the fact that i volunteer doesn't make me a good person it just makes me somebody who like volunteers so that's like mm-hmm. that's the fact mm-hmm. um and yeah so like research your organization and then make sure you know what you can do and like and just make sure that you are maximizing your skills for the organization uh, and for yourself too. You won't learn anything if you're doing something that you're not happy doing, and you won't help if you're doing something that you're not best suited to do. Mm-hmm. And if you have others, and like everyone has skills, everyone has something they're good at. Like if you're good at small stuff, like if you're good at being handy, I would say like hitting up any kind of shelter, they'll love you. They always have something that needs to be fixed, and they always need people who they can trust to fix it. Or they always have somebody who could need help in the, their community. Um, if you are like a yoga teacher uh, and you want to volunteer to teach classes, I would suggest hitting up. Uh, if you're just good at art and you're patient, you could do that. If you're a makeup artist and you don't mind doing either clinics or maybe trying to do something where like you could create something where if women are going for interviews or like having a special night you could do something like that like that's awesome there's no such thing as like most of those things are actually what the shelters would like um in terms of volunteering i am not good at any of those things so i can't do that but like it's <laughs> those are things that like they actually do actively look for and i feel like people discount their skills and hobbies as if they're not things that can help other people when they are and they can actually help and and round out someone's life. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was Jess with Christina Vieira, a fund development volunteer for Nelly Shelter here in Toronto. Wow. Also one of many, many, many different hats that she plays. Anyone right, that knows yes. her is like, how does she sleep? One of many things. <laughs> um, and very interesting, much to her. <laughs> and lots of energy. Yeah. And that was not at all what I was thinking when you first uh, mentioned this to me. I know. it's. I think it was my bad. I didn't do the interview justice at all, but I think you were a little bit skeptical of the idea of someone kind of creating their own position instead of volunteering in the well, classic sense of the word. What I heard was <laughs> millennials want everything on their own terms, including their volunteerism. 
I don't, I only want to do what I want to do. And <laughs> and that is so not what this is. I mean, I guess you could say that it sort of is, but what a wonderful, uh, thoughtful uh, way of, of giving back. And that's one thing I will say in defense, which I don't, uh, I'll do that often. You can defend millennials. <laughs> I will oppose them. But in defense of millennials, I will say these are very thoughtful people with very strong values. And um, I think it's, Sometimes it just works. Sometimes I think this, this is thinking like, works, and this is a great example of that kind of thinking working. Exactly, because the this is the disconnect. I don't think there's much different between someone who volunteered, you know, in her parents' generation or something like that, where I believe I say it right in there, where you know, um, there is no selfless act, right? But. Uh, in the past, that would be something that you would issue and you would be like, well, no, I'm doing it for the good of the children or whatever it is. No, the reason that you, you know, get off work and then go and, you know, give up food at the food bank or whatever your version of that was is because there's something that is self-fulfilling and, you know, you know, you're contributing to society. You know that you're giving back in some way and that it looks good on you. Yeah, um, that it feels good, but yet yeah, I, I th- certainly think there was an appearances thing, and there there just has uh, to be a mo- there has to be a payoff. I'm a, a person that just believes that there has to be a payoff in order for anyone to do anything in their lives, and it doesn't necessarily like sound kosher. Doesn't sound good to say. I want to be interesting. I need to volunteer. <laughs> but she's obviously joking. Yeah. Christina is also, if that didn't come across, I was cracking up many times in right. there. But like, she's so funny. Um, so. Yeah, someone she was playing it up. I was all I would yes, because I definitely heard that and thought <laughs> I understand that. But what an interesting way of putting it that exactly. I need to um, do more it's in my life right? because I want to sound and appear more interesting. I know, like you say, <laughs> there's more to it than that. But I do think that, like, I get what that comes from. Where that comes from is is thinking about you know somebody asks you what's going on on with you. And all you can think of is your day-to-day. And if your day-to-day sounds boring as you say it, you think it's sort of a check-in with yourself. Like, what am I doing? Yeah. I want to do something to fill myself up and, and get something more of life and feel like I'm doing something. For sure. But and the way it sometimes comes out is by saying, I want to be more interested. <laughs> but I, it comes from a place that I think I really understand. The yeah. Way Which is being sometimes. funny. <laughs> right. Um, but also, um, she had just the timing works out that she had just finished a job where she was really, really working all the time. And so if you finish a gig like that and then you wake up one day and you don't have your job to go to and you don't have anything else that you're doing, you feel crazy, I'm sure. And so it's something that you force yourself to do. And then that opens up these opportunities to really like think about what matters and think about what you want your life to be and Mm -hmm. what you want to your legacy to be. And we're young still. So Anyway, to work in the industry and to like see a long term um, goal for yourself. That's the other part of this is too. Like it's again, there is no selfless act. Like she's figured out the way that she will do this and give them a lot of money. Like she just dropped when she did her um, giving out her tips every Monday for the month. She raised thirty five hundred dollars. Yeah, that's significant. It's shocking to people. From one person. Yeah, but yeah. in this industry, like money like that flows, and so again, it doesn't sound so good for you to be like, we shouldn't be spending our money, but fifty dollars every week is going to go somewhere random. Um, 
if that is established and accepted as a reality, why not use that for good? Um, this is someone that like sees that and allows us to channel it in a level that I can I can afford, right? I can't do those thousand dollar plate dinners. I can't, right. you know, I don't. But not only do you maybe have $50 that you can identify as like disposable, mm-hmm. right? But also, again, like she said, that depends on whether or not you're even budgeting for entertainment. There's lots of times where you you don't even think about it. You're going to go out to get to have drinks and maybe mm-hmm. get a little bite to eat and there's 50 bucks gone. Exactly. And she's providing an environment. I think that's the other part of it that was interesting to me is finding a way to get the people yeah. um, er, that are, are in her demographic. Exactly. That, again, uh, to get them more, more involved and do they... Uh, are they gonna? Are they inclined to go down and, like she say, lick envelopes? Um, even though that is very important work and it needs to get done, is and and she identifies that. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe they're not going to do that. But there's still a way to give back. And exactly, I think that's pretty cool of, of finding a way of sort of not like tricking people into yeah doing something good, but just but meeting but people where they're at. Yeah. But and she's that's very upfront about it, saying like, "Hey, if they're spending fifty dollars, I can get some of that money and put it to a good cause." Exactly. So how because can I tap into that? If they're in the industry and have the capacity, obviously it was overblown for her to get the thirty five hundred dollars in a month on five days. That means an average of seven hundred dollars a shift. That is not normal, but mm-hmm. it's not. It's still possible, which is wild. Um, so let's put that in real terms. A normal. Monday night, which for the record is a service industry night. So it seems crazier that a Monday night by most people's standards is the beginning of the week. That's the end of the week for a service industry. So it's a very good night. Um, But yeah, if I make $300 on a hot night, it's very easy, especially with cash, for it to just disappear and whatever. So why not make it go towards a good cost? And it didn't make it into this edit, but we had also talked about how since she started doing this, that she's got a name for doing this. So there's a lot of people approaching her to get involved with their ideas. And most of them haven't had much experience with it. So um, A, she doesn't have all the time in the world, but it's also like letting people go through that process for themselves and figuring out how to do it and do it well um, is important because she can't be <laughs> she can't be involved in every single thing that happens right but I think it's, a little, it's, city. it's contagious a little bit yeah exactly you see somebody with that kind of energy and you think well why can't I do that and here's somebody that is using their skills like she, I mean the being a manager at 416 for a mm-hmm. number of years and getting that list of suppliers and knowing how to talk to people and, and being involved in cocktail competitions where she has access to like booze and those those relationships too, where they know you, they like you and, and it becomes an easier thing to say, okay, I'm throwing an event for charity. Would you kick in this or would you come uh, give me your time or would you donate booze or whatever Mm -hmm. the case may be? So I think, but I think more than anything, it is a check in to say, uh, okay, how can I help? Again, and what she identified something that first was important to her, mm-hmm. a, a cause that was important to her, uh, the way that organization did their business yeah, was important yeah. to her. So she was very thoughtful about that. And then again, how can I apply what I'm good at um, to helping that, that cause one way or another? So you don't have to follow her 
exactly, exactly what she's doing. Exactly. Her mm-hmm. exact blueprint. But I think that is a, a great template to work off of to say. And just like a reminder. I think I, we've been talking a lot about politics, either directly or peripherally for the last few months. Um, and I think we've there's been a lot of powerlessness. Um, and when I ran into Christina a couple of months ago and like suggested that we sit down and chat, this was why is because it's someone operating in their world in such a way that they're able to isolate a problem that they can help with and or many problems, small little ones um, and directly like service. It's empowering for someone my age to see that. And so that's kind of the reason that I thought we should we should do this. I'm glad you brought this to us, to me, to us, to our audience. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm glad I heard this because, yes. like I say, maybe I had one thought in mind mm-hmm. at first. And you know what? I, I'm starting to uh, to think that uh, you're not without your faults, you as a group. <laughs> I'm not convinced that you're not a part of this group. Right? I had somebody question that about <laughs> me too recently, I have to say. But I'm 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 maintaining that I'm outside of this this group mm-hmm. of, of people. Um, but anyway, not line. without your faults, you millennial people. And what are you then? But <laughs> but um, yes, you do have strong values. You do have strong ideas. You are bringing a lot of positivity to uh, the table. And even though that sometimes is an irritating thing, the amount of positivity. But whatever. You, you went, let's just say okay. Pat on the back. This is a good one. Score one from the millennials in this one. Yeah, thirty-five, okay. more like seventy-year-old man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was another episode of Foodstuffs. Thank you this week, of course, to the superhuman, amazing, regular, and very cool uh, Christina Vieira. Thank you also to CIUT. We're back here again for season four. Yay. We're back in our spot. Yeah, we made it to season four. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, that is pretty amazing. I'll give you a pat on the back for okay, that. Okay, and you too. <laughs> there. But thanks to Ken Stauer, Eric Betlam, everybody at CIUT. We appreciate being here in Studio Two. Very much. Loving these digs. And thank you so much to you for listening. If you want to stay in touch with us, there are a few ways. You can find us on Facebook by searching Foodstuffs. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter by searching at Foodstuffs Life. And, Brian, I'll give you the honors this time. Oh, thank you so much. Our brand new redone website, foodstuffs.life. Please check it out. It's got all of Mm -hmm. our episodes on there. It has our our SoundCloud, all of our links to our socials. Really, it's the only thing we need to tell you about. Extra pictures. Extra pictures. Mm -hmm. All kinds of stuff. Our best of 2016 list if you want to go back. Yeah. All kinds of great stuff there. You can also please subscribe to us via Stitcher or or the podcast app on your Apple iPhone or any other. Overcast. Yeah, any of those ones. The cool kids that are listening to Overcast is what I heard. I don't know what that means, but there you go. Wait. Are you getting too old for something <laughs> digital now? It was from someone older happier. than me, so wow! Shout out to Glenford Jameson. Right, that's right. <laughs> Thanks so much to lis- for listening. We will be back next week. We're back. I'm sorry for lying about coming back four weeks after our last episode. Obviously, some stuff has been happening, but we're back, and we'll be back next week. That's right. I'm Brian Goldman, and I'm Jessica Walker. Thanks for listening. <laughs>